Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production and podcast of Lewis and Broad Media here in downtown LaGrange, Georgia. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church, and I am joined in the studio. He's back. Hey, I'm back. He's back. Where was I? I don't know. I'm back. You were like... In the Keys or Miami? Oh, yeah. I was in Fort Myers, Florida, two hours south of Tampa with LaGrange College students and one of our faculty, Dr. John Torres, and we took students on a spring break service trip down there, spent all their spring break down there, and um, man, it was hot, so we worked outside all day doing debris removal from Hurricane Ian on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday, we get to the end of the day, and the guy with us says, hey, guess what? This is the hottest April 6th on record in the state of Florida. <laughs> Congratulations. Yes, 95 degrees where we were. <laughs> Did and you then, get to play at all? Uh, oh, yeah, man. Ocean every day, uh, kayaked in the uh, Orange River. Uh, and went to a minor league baseball game, the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles against the Dunedin Blue Jays. And an affiliate of Twins. Who? It's the Twins. Minnesota. The Mighty Muscles? Yeah, Minnesota Twins Spring Training Facility. Very beautiful ballpark. Actually like a little miniature of Target Field uh, in Minneapolis. Yeah. Minor league baseball teams have the most fantastic mascots. Yes, they figured out a few years ago if you can come up with a really awesome cartoon thing for your cap you can sell merch. a lot of merch yeah a lot of and merch mighty muscles so this is a little gooey character coming out of an open uh, mollusk shell swinging a baseball bat that's, that's what's on their hat because of course <laughs> <laughs> well uh if y'all want to hear other podcasts go to loosenbra.org we are wrapping up season number five on our flagship podcast and it's been a really good one thus far good season uh, focused on family here in LaGrange. Uh, and also we have next Sunday, next Sunday, not this Sunday, but next Sunday, April the 23rd, from 1 to 7 p.m., Listen LaGrange, a music festival to fight poverty. Buy your tickets, everybody. You can get your tickets. Uh, Layton, come on, Mike, real quick. Because we need we need to talk about how the how the denizens can purchase their wares, purchase their tickets. So everybody, Aunt Rhonda and Leighton Parker is about to come on mic and talk to you about Listen Lagrange. You can visit um, Pure Life House of Music's website, which is purelifelagrange.com. and from there you can find tickets for Listen Lagrange. That's right. So. Get your tickets headlined by the Sweet Tea Trio. They are fantastic. And other local musicians, fantastic artists. Hope to see y'all there. All proceeds go to support Circles of Troop County, who is on the front lines of fighting poverty here in our community. It is Eastertide. We just had Easter on 
Sunday. That was a lot of fun, and uh, it was awesome. I was I was here at First Pres, and it was a great, great worship experience. And we're about to get into some Easter texts here in a minute, but of course, we cannot do that quite yet because we have a new segment. That's right today. And what is that segment? It's called Ask Everybody. <laughs> it's Ask Layton, but we're going to ask everybody. Sponsored by the Fort Myers Mighty, Mighty Muscles. muscles. <laughs> Fort Myers. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see. All right. So this comes from my lovely wife, Holly Roberts, uh, just a, a well-known minor celebrity here in the community, I, I like to think. And she posted today on social media to all of her fans uh, something somebody had written, uh, a teacher who said, my new favorite thing is to ask my class to share a boring fact about themselves because there's too much pressure asking people to share an interesting fact. He said, today I shared that I don't like mayo sandwiches. One student puts both socks on before putting on shoes. Another eats a pound of turkey every day. <laughs> Holly said that her boring fact is that she prefers to write with Bic ink pens. And now it's our turn. That's, that's, wow. A boring fact. You can't see me, folks, because we are not yet in the broadcasting business, the broadcast podcast, but I'm smiling from ear to ear because those are all not really that boring. I think they are just fascinating. That's what I think. I think these are all quirky things that are not super interesting, but not completely boring. So what is your boring fact? Well, I, the first thing that came to mind for me, I have so many boring things. I thought, well, how about the most recent one, which is that I now have a two-day-old fantasy baseball league uh, habit. If you don't know what that is, that's where you uh, you and a group of friends, like ESPN has a platform for this that we're playing on. You draft major league players, uh, and then statistically they compete against one another. <laughs> so you try to have the best, uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. It's a boring fact. That's why if I and can And the name of your team is the uh, Fort Myers <laughs> Mighty Muscles. The name of my team, I'm very proud of this, um, is Bobby's Brain, as in Bobby Cox. And my little logo is a hat with the number six on it for my team. In honor of which was the great his, Braves. Which was his number, yes. Manager. That's right. If you come in my office at LaGrange College, you will see a very large uh, print of Bobby Cox standing on the top Braves uh, dugout step. Well, my boring fact, because um, we have Easter candy in here, and uh, I want to give a shout-out to our unofficial, official, unofficial sponsor. <laughs> uh, my groom's cake at my wedding was Sour Patch Kids. I've heard that about you. Actually. And multiple Great American Cookie Company cookie cakes. Yeah, that mean there's a, those are delicious. Yeah, uh, there's something in the formula in the recipe. They they just got it right, man. I, I've had and I want to all due respect to all the other cookie cake makers out there. I've had some delicious cookie cakes, but there's something about the Great America Cookie Company cookie cake. It's the, it's speaks that, to my soul. I think it's that it comes from the mall, and so it seems extra fancy. There's yeah, but they're doing build outs now. They're little, doing. It's, I'm uh, saying it's a little bougie. That's what I'm saying. You could get it at Walmart. Look, not going to be I'll, the same. I, there, there could be a quality difference. I, I will own my bouginess when it comes to the <laughs> cookie cake world. That is my boring fact. Now we got to bring Aunt Rhonda on. And tell, what? Wait, wait, wait. We could say, tell us, Rhonda. Tell, tell us, Rhonda. That's an old song, and it was helped me. But anyway, all right, so anyway. Thank you for that. Pray <laughs> tell, Leighton Parker, what is your boring fact? I purposely wear mismatched socks. 
Is that happening right now? Yeah. Well, huh. I did know that. But the question is... What does that do for you mentally? And first of all, <laughs> I knew that because you've told me that before. <laughs> That's, That's a perfect fact. Like, Why would you know that, James? Because you told me this is, this is one of your factoid, your kind of go-to factoids. But what... Oh, what he said is, this played out. You've told me. <laughs> what is the method? What is the method behind the uh, footwear madness? What do you mean? There's no method. You well, just, why do you why do you do it? Well, you just I you, like you're it. you're getting something out of like this lady. Yeah, this gives you a little spring in the step. A little, yeah, a little charge in your soul. Mm-hmm. So I think it, that like sounds why like why does someone like to match their socks? Conformity. Well, that's boring. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I think this is a non-conformist streak. She's acting out in a safe way. Well, <laughs> so that's good. There you go. <laughs> so mismatch your socks, people. Mismatch socks. I may try it tomorrow just to see what it feels like. We have fantasy baseball. <laughs> we have cookie cake and sour patch kids, and we've got doubting Thomas. Mm, that was a tough one to get over to, but you did it. I, I mean, look. <laughs> You see why they pay me the big podcast bucks. <laughs> the big bucks. podcast bucks. He gets, he gets the lion's share of the bucks, everybody. <laughs> John chapter 20. They know there's no podcast bucks, right? I feel Versus the need to say it, that. Now. All right. <laughs> I, there are no podcast. But, you know, if Sour Patch Kids or the Great American Cookie mm, Company mm. or the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles or... Um, Any number of hot sauces. I feel like I could bring on one of them as a sponsor, possibly. I'm trying to think. Uh, what are the socks? Bomba. If Bomba, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if Bomba wants to come on board and and sponsor this illustrious yep. podcast, yeah, then there might be bucks. Anyways, we move back to John chapter 20. We will be looking at verses 19 through 31. The story of doubting Thomas. Which let me just say, bless him. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of what sympathy. A, what, what a sad... I mean, it's not like he, it was just like his buddies. First of all, his buddies just called him Thomas. We don't know if they called him... Do you think they called him Doubting Thomas? <laughs> oh, Doubting Thomas. Somebody stuck that name to him, and it really it has, has stuck. stuck. Yeah. For millennia. If anything, he, he was... We know he was known as twin, right? Didymus uh, in Greek, but... Look at you dropping that Greek knowledge. Well, I just was looking at it here on my little Bible app, you know. But yeah, Didymus. So, so he did have a nickname, um, but then it became Doubt, it well, became doubting at some point. Doubting after this, doubting Didymus would have been a little bit more alliterative. I wonder. Yeah, that's true. But you know, we digress. Let's talk a little bit about context. This is post-resurrection Jesus. And it says, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Okay, a couple bits about this. John, the Gospel of John, has its beauty, its I am statements, and its poetry, but it also has its critics out there because the gospel can be harsh. Borderline, well, I'm not even sure I would go borderline. It's easy to interpret John via an anti-Semitic lens. Yeah, and some who have wanted to do that and set out with that agenda have, have used it in that way uh, over time. I think we need to be careful. 
when we hear phrases like for fear of the Jews, lest we forget Jesus was a Jew himself. And, and the, all those disciples. And those disciples. So this for fear of the Jews, probably a, an allusion to the elites, the powers, the ones yeah, who, that's right. who had Jesus put to death. The, the religious the mob. power. Yeah. Not all Jews, lest we forget that some of, uh, uh, well, these were Jews, like, like we said, but also there were people who were there who had empathy for him and sympathy and all the, all the pathos possible. So fear of the powers, the elites. And the second thing is what I love um, that John says here. It says it actually later on in Scripture too, but Man, they're all about the, they're not just about being in a room. They're in a room with the doors locked. Yeah. That is a detail that is, <laughs> that is easily overlooked, and I don't think we should take for granted because I don't really close the door behind me and lock it unless I am some kind of terrified. Yeah, especially when you have the perception that you live in a safe place. Yeah, and uh, I think about one time uh, I was staying in a place um, in Washington, D.C., and it was actually in a, a shared ministry area, and I had left a, a door unlocked, and the, the local person from D.C. came along and said, wow, you do not lock doors. I wish I lived where you do. <laughs> and it is that sense of safety that we take for granted, whether we should or not, and uh, yes, it definitely communicates fear and then communicates this incredible supernatural entrance by Jesus into the place. Yes. It doesn't say how he got in there. It doesn't say he did a secret knock. It doesn't say really anything. It just says he came and stood among them and said, peace be with you, which, again, is, is a pretty stark juxtaposition between the fear, the locking of the doors, being in a room, tight-knit, huddled, and Jesus then coming and saying to them, peace be with you. That had to be a profound salve, if not a shocking one. Yeah, they aren't alone, right? And they aren't forgotten, and all their deepest impossible hopes have come to fruition. It, every, everything in this moment, really, and it's the first time for any of the disciples see meeting the resurrected Jesus. Uh, they did go to the tomb, and it's empty. Uh, Mary Magdalene encounters Jesus there and comes back and tells them that I wonder how well they were able to believe her there's got to be some possibility that there were some doubting disciples before Thomas but Thomas well, this was a dead man right <laughs> yeah I mean there's pretty legitimate reason to feel that way right and um, in fact every logical reason we can think of in what we understand about human experience in this world says that when you're dead you're dead uh, and and so, of course, there had to be doubt. And somehow Thomas misses this meeting. Well, we're going to talk about that. Don't ever miss a meeting. But <laughs> but here's what I, I think is really interesting, or one of the things I think is interesting. When we hear the story of, of the so-called doubting Thomas, what comes to mind is, well, he, he wasn't there. And basically his colleagues, the disciples, tell him, look, we've seen the Lord. And he says, I don't believe Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe, which is this 
you know, a kind of famous response. And it's easy to say, oh, well, Thomas, Thomas is the only one who said that. Uh, you go to verse 20. When Jesus initially appears to the disciples, what does it say? After he says, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. See, Thomas, to your point, Adam, wasn't the only one who needed to see it. Yeah, he, he's, he wants the same thing everybody else experienced. And, and it makes you wonder, you know, maybe they said, look, Thomas, really, he did come. And we, we ourselves saw his hands in his side, and maybe he responds, mm, unless I see those marks, I'm not going to believe. And it's, it's easy. It is so easy and so seductive to say, or to, to antagonize Thomas. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not sure I haven't been Thomas. I know I have. Oh yeah, I have such sympathy for him, really, and and empathy. And uh, how could there not be doubt involved for him and for any of us? Uh, Jesus, perhaps even to be spoiler here on how this. Uh, section of the story ends, but Jesus even alludes to the fact here ultimately that to believe what you haven't seen is harder in some ways, obviously. So Thomas, if he hadn't doubted, he would have been believing what he hadn't seen based on the witness of the other disciples. And that, of course, is exactly what Christianity is going to become, right? Is will people choose to believe based on the witness of others and their experience? Uh, so in some ways, this is just hugely illustrative of what Christianity is and is going to become the sharing of faith across doubt based on others experiences that then become our own experiences. So to be condemning of, of Thomas is, is makes sadder, um, an emotional poignant, uh, a little bit sad encounter, uh, joyful and sad, uh, bittersweet encounter that he has and then verse verse 26 actually says a week later his disciples were in the house and thomas was with them so this man had to wait a week important detail can you imagine the the fomo tough tough week the fear of missing out for yeah for uh those who are wanting to know what that acronym means yeah i mean he had to live with the fact that his friends were talking about this experience they had with Jesus and he had for a week to live with that cynicism and that doubt and that hurt and that all the things anguish why why didn't I have this experience you know the easier thing might have been which we do sometimes play along and say oh that's great I'm just as happy and joyful as you all are that would be a very southern thing (laughs) that would be very southern yeah (laughs) I don't mind. I'm so happy for you. Inside, you're seething. <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Passive aggression. <laughs> but so at least he does let it out and tell the truth and, and says, I need, to, I need to see. I need to do just what you did. And then we get history repeating itself in, in the latter half of 26. The doors are shut again. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he says to Thomas this very same thing he, he does in verse 20. Here's my hands. Here's my side. Do not doubt, but believe. 
And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus, as you alluded to, says, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. What do you, what do you, what do you make of that? What's going on there? I mean, first thing base level to me seems like it is a statement of seeing is believing in a way that's a little easier. Uh, if we believe we have taken incredible proof through our senses, then then we can give mental assertion to what we've experienced. Although sometimes that's hard. I certainly have had experiences, and I've walked away saying, "Did that happen? <laughs> Did that actually happen?" Did I? But uh, and we all have, uh, but. So easier if you've had this information come in, come into your brain that that gives credence and validity to this belief. But when you are being asked to take a leap of faith, um, based off uh, someone else's witness, is what I keep coming back to, um, which eventually becomes your own experience. But to believe based off of a witness that that is faith. It's a leap. It's harder. It was interesting, as I was getting ready to preach this last Sunday, uh, at some point, as I was writing, I was I talked to Margaret, my wife Margaret. I said, so, what is, what is this odd and wondrous calling <laughs> that I'm about to stand in front of however many people <laughs> show up and say, by the way, you know he was dead, right? And now he's risen. <laughs> It's, it is, if I'm being transparent, there's a part of me that says, this is craziness. Yeah. It, it, it is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. That this is the core tenet of what we believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as modern and postmodern and deeply scientifically and technologically turned as we may be in our culture... Uh, and believe me, I love science and technology. Uh, quite a good thing for the most part. Um, if, you know, if I were going to choose to live now or in the year 1200, I think I'd pick now. You know, But uh, so the problem, though, is that we have lost some of the, all of the beauty of that medieval worldview, which did an ancient worldview, which did have some beauty to it. The idea that the stars were pinholes of light from heaven uh, in the sky at night and that this earth clearly was flat and God was above us and had created in seven days and the simplistic childlike storybook sort of uh, understanding of the world that on some level adds up for humans and makes a little more sense <laughs> even though now we would say how how dare we believe in something so uh, scientific, scientifically, biologically impossible. We know from a rational perspective this could never be. It's, uh, what a shame if we lose all human ability that's been so important in the history of humanity to, to make a leap of faith and to say this is what God is. This is, the, this is, this is life overcoming death, and life will always overcome death. And we will hold fast in that, even as we look death in the face. Um, and maybe it takes even more, maybe it takes even more faith in a scientific age to to still carry that sort of faith. I think it does, and in, in, in some ways, because there seems to be 
an answer for everything. Now, there are things that remain unexplained. But there's, there does seem to be this, well, we're going to err to the side of reason. And, and I get that. I, I'm not in, I am not anti-reason. In fact, sometimes it wins out. I'm also very compelled, and I said this on Sunday, by the relative uniformity of four independent accounts about this something happened. That we can hold in something our hand happened. That, that, this, that these documents would have come down intact to us through two millennia and we can access them electronically in our phones or hold them in our hands in a bound book in our language absolutely defies all belief. What an incredible thing in itself, um, truly. And so now you have the story of what that can look like, what that might look like. It looks like... Jesus saying over and over and over again in the midst of our greatest fears, peace be with you. And and the greatest fear, on some level, I do think as we live longer, uh, we can achieve more of a degree of peace with this, but death is difficult, to say the least, for any of us to... We can't, because we can't imagine it. What what frame of reference do we have for, for being dead? We, we've only been alive in our experience. We don't want to think about that, which is the greatest unknown and the most fear-inducing. So it's still the heart of the human problem here these 2,000 years later, uh, in spite of all the things that have changed. And even with this incredible proliferation of information, just think about the information we have access to. Uh, is it not amazing that as information grows and grows and grows and grows, we can't even agree on what's true anymore? <laughs> uh, because everybody's got their own information that they think they can point to. And <clears throat> and so uh, we find ourselves in need of this solid base of belief, maybe now more than ever. Yeah. You know what those lectionary lizards did? They're good sometimes. They, I do not know what they did. They are. The... the Epistle reading for the week comes from First Peter. In verse 8 of the pericope, pericope says, Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well done, lizards. <laughs> well done. So we wish a great Easter tide to all of y'all. And we want to thank our good friends of Sour Patch Kids, Great American Cookie Company, yep. and Fantasy Baseball. Mighty Muscles and Bomba Socks. And if you have any feedback, questions, thoughts, please engage us on our social media at Lewis and Broad. Again, please go get your Listen LaGrange tickets at that website that Layton mentioned earlier. Wait, what was it, Layton? Pure Life LaGrange. Pure Thank you. And as always, remember who and whose you are. My name is James Goodlett. Adam Roberts. And for Leighton Parker, we will talk to y'all next time. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org 
and lewisandbroad.org. Until next week.